Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, November 12th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Got a great show lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about uh, Bellator 252 that takes place on Thursday. I'll be recapping Dana White's Contender Series, which took place on Tuesday. They handed out three contracts. There's some fights uh, announcements. There's some news. There's a lot to talk about today. And you guys know I don't like to waste time. I like to just go and jump right into it. So I'm going to start with Dana White's Contender Series this morning, and then we'll work on Bellator. We'll start with Dana White's Contender Series from uh, Tuesday. Pull it up here on Tapology. So that should work. There we go. Right there, and there it is. Okay, so it was like an okay card. I mean, it wasn't the best Contender Series of the year. We've seen some, I think, better cards overall throughout the season, but not bad, and they handled three deals. So let's talk about these fights. I'm going to start with the, the first one, work way up. Now, this is uh, a fight I was highly critical on on Twitter, and I think there's too many people out there that like to like lie to themselves and convince themselves that a guy holding a guy down for 50 minutes is somehow exciting. It's not. It's not exciting at all. Danny Sabatello is clearly a good fighter. He's clearly a guy that can win fights in the UFC. I'm not doubting that. I think he can do well in the UFC because he has a very uh, dominant wrestling style. He's got a good pace. He's got a good gas tank, but this is not the UFC and it's not trying to win fights. This is about trying to get a contract to get in the UFC. So there's a big difference. Dana White is looking for exciting fights. He wants finishes. Sometimes a finish won't happen. And as we saw in this card, there was a guy that didn't get a finish, but he did get a deal because it was a great fight. The fight can take place on the ground too. That's another thing people don't, don't realize. A fight can take place on the ground and be exciting. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that it can't be boring too. Um, this was a boring fight. That's why this guy wasn't signed. He is a good fighter. He will be picked up probably by the UFC in the future. If I had to guess a short notice fight or something, maybe Belter takes a shot. I'm not sure, but I think Dana made the right call passing on Sabatello. And again, I just think there's too many people there to try to like convince themselves that seeing a guy hold a guy for 50 minutes is exciting. It's not, this isn't like Khabib and people are comparing him to Khabib. It's not even the same thing. Khabib is taking guys down, beating them up, ground and patting them, looking for submissions, it's completely different. Also, he's fighting elite opponents. This guy fought someone with a 10-5 and record. He didn't even try to stop him. That's the thing that really bothered me about this fight, guys. Dana White talked about it, too. This guy took no risks. He was already up 20-16. to 16. He was up 2-10-8 rounds and took no risk in the third round. You know, he had his post-fight interview. He's sitting there swearing, dropping F-bombs. He thought he was trying to be cool or something. I don't get it, man. Again, this guy, Sabatello, he can be really good because he has that dominant wrestling style. That's not what Dana White's looking for in the show. So I think people need to change their opinions about the show if that's how they're thinking about it. It's not just winning a fight, winning at 30-26 or 30-24 in this case. It's going in there and putting on a fun fight for Dana and the fans. In this case, it wasn't a good fight, and that's why he got passed on. So, you know, this is his fault. And in my opinion, bad coaching. Bad coaching, guys, because you know your guy's trying to get in the UFC. You know what Dana White wants in the show. He wants a guy who's going for broke. He's going for a finish. If this guy took any chances to pass the guard at any point in the third round and try to get a ground pound finish or try to get a Kimura or an Americano or a rear naked choke even, I think he would have been signed, but he took no risks. And I think it's a learning experience for guys going on the show. It's not just about winning. Winning is not good enough for Dana White's contender series. You have to put on a fun fight that Dana White likes. You have to put on a fun fight that the fans like and the fans want to see uh, you fight again. And in this case, I, I didn't see anyone except for a few journalists who, again, I think are kidding themselves and thinking this was exciting, who want to see this guy in the UFC. Everything I saw from fans, they hated this fight. Eduardo, I see your question. I'm going to get in a little bit. I want to get to your contender series first. Now, the next fight, this was an absolute 
no-brainer. And I told you I like this girl a lot in this fight, guys, but the line got steamed from like minus 300 to like minus 500 at close. So there was no value. And I got to say Sabatello was like minus 600. So again, not much value there, although he dominated this fight. And same with Pinheiro. Um, once again, all the favorites won in this card. And uh, we've seen a lot of the favorites win lately on Contender Series, which and also in the UFC too. So there hasn't been many upsets, but I think that's going to change at some point because the last couple of seasons of Contender Series, we saw upsets all the time. I do feel like bettors are smarter now. I think MMA bettors are a lot smarter. There's more information. There's more people betting on the sport. I think the lines are a little bit more accurate these days. They're a little tougher to bet on. But once again, all the favorites won this card. And one of them was Pinero, and she looked amazing in this fight, knocking out Frosto in the first round. A nice patient approach for the first couple minutes and then gets the, the knockout with a left hook, right hook combination. I thought she looked great. I had no idea she was dating uh, Matthias Nicolau, who used to fight in the UFC. So that's pretty good. I mean, that guy can definitely help her out, giving her some advice to his girlfriend as she makes her way to the UFC. She got signed. She got a deal. No brainer. Um, the women's strawweight division needs new fighters all the time. And someone like this, Pinero with knockout power, I think she's won six straight fights by stoppage. That is impressive for a 115er. Now, or uh, not Zoya Frostel, Stephanie Frostel, her sister. She's not a great fighter, eight and seven record. So you can't take away too much from this performance, but definitely got to give this girl a shot in the UFC with that kind of power. And also, she's very, very attractive, so very marketable too. Now, going to the next fight here, we had Nicholas Mott against Joseph Lowry. And this was fight of the night. Dana White said it himself. They don't give a fight of the night bonus on contender series. You'd hope Dana would be generous and drop these guys a little bit of cheddar in the back because this was an incredible fight. Uh, Nicholas Mata, he won the fight by decision. He pretty much pieced apart Lowry for three rounds. But Joseph Lowry, this guy has an incredible chin, amazing chin. He stood in the pocket, took shots for 15 minutes, never gave up, never backed down, never stopped moving forward. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for this guy because he just took, he took a lot of punishment. And he could have easily shelled up and took a TKO loss, but he didn't want to. So I got a lot of respect for this guy. I think Lowry for sure will get another shot in contender series. But for now, Moda is the guy who gets the deal. And, you know, I thought he won the fight for sure. And, I'm excited to see this guy fight in the UFC. He's got really good striking, and it should be fun to watch him in the UFC. So, again, it's just proof that you don't need to finish the fight to get in the UFC. That helps from Contender Series, but if you put on a good fight, you will get in. And, again, it doesn't have to be a stand-up fight. We have seen fighters um, take guys to the ground and and, and transition and move and, and go for uh, ground and pound submissions, and then they'll get signed, even if they didn't get a finish. In the case of the first guy, Sabatello, he did none of that stuff. That's why he was passed on. And, again, I would hope that other fighters watching it could take something from that and realize, hey, unless you're a women's 145 or like that buys girl who won like last month or whatever, where she did nothing and somehow got a contract, you're probably not going to get signed, especially if you're in a competitive division like 135. You got to stand out more. Now, the next fight, this guy got signed. It was a 160-pound catchweight fight due to short notice, but he is a lightweight. Uh, Nathan Levy defeats uh, Shaheen Santana, third-round submission. And, you know, Levy, here's a perfect example, guys, compared to the first fight once again, but Levy could have easily just won a decision. Um, he could have easily just grinded it out, took home the decision, got his win bonus or whatever, and and went back at it. But he wanted to get the finish. He wanted to show Dana White that he could finish fights, and that's what he did. And he did it in the third round, getting the submission here, and he got signed to the UFC. And I think that was a great signing again for the UFC. This guy is definitely a talented prospect on the ground, especially, man. He's got nasty jiu-jitsu. Now, main event being, this was a really controversial decision. And again, this guy's name is brutal to pronounce, but Marius, the Canadian, I thought he won the fight, guys. I did think he won 29-28, but Mario Sousa wins on the scorecards. Somehow the judge had it. One of the judges had 30-27, which is absolutely insane to me because this was a super close fight. This was a really hard fight to score. Some of these fights are very tricky sometimes. They can go either way. And I think this was a fight to go either way. Um, I Personally, I thought Marius won the fight because I think he – you know, he had a little bit more control in a fight that was primarily on the ground. And I think that should come into play in a fight 
where it's that close. But, you know, Souza was a little bit more active off his back, and I think that's what the judges saw here. So really no problem with the decision. I'm just saying I personally scored it for Marius, but a very close fight. He didn't get a contract, though, and he was pissed after he was yelling at Dana. But I wouldn't have signed this guy either. Just like Dana said, I didn't think he won the fight. Dana didn't think so either. So he gets passed on. He'll probably get another fight in contender series, Mario Souza. Maybe a short notice UFC fight, but I think for now was the right call passing on him. So UFC brings in three more fighters to the uh, promotion. And uh, I really like these guys. I think Nate and Life, he's definitely a guy uh, lightweight with that jiu-jitsu. He can put out some fun fights. Like, And to be honest with you, if he fought a guy like Clay Greeter right now, a veteran like that, I think he submits him in the first round. So this guy can win fights. Uh, Moda, I was hoping he could knock Larry out. You'd hope that maybe he can show a little bit more power in the UFC. Again, it was a short notice fight for him, but I think great signing. And then Panera was a no-brainer. So I think Dana White made the right calls, man. You know, I'm obviously someone who's critical of Dana at times, but I think in this case, he, he made a great call on all three of them. I'll take your question really fast, Eduardo, because I want to get to uh, Bellator. Eduardo says, good morning, guys. Thoughts on Speedback Vandera? So, yes, that's this fight is taking place at uh, – yeah, pull it up here. I think at the UFC 256, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull it up here. So, Jared Vandera, this guy fought – uh, last week at Contender Series, and he won his fight by TKO in the first round over Harry Hunsucker. I didn't really take a lot from his performance because this Hunsucker guy took it on like two days' notice or something, but he did get the finish. And you look at his resume, he does have a lot of experience against some pretty good fighters, like not, not, not UFC caliber, but regional level guys like, you know, Tony Lopez or Ruben Potts who fought in the UFC. So not, not a terrible level competition. Most of his wins are by stoppage. So I guess I can see why it took him because he is a heavyweight. They need heavyweights, but I'm not sure how much success he's going to have in the UFC. And honestly, this is a tough fight because Spivak is not a great fighter, the polar bear here, 11 and 2. But there's some things you got to like about him here. I mean, he's only 25, so he's still young. And you saw in the last fight, Felipe, he's able to grind guys out. And, you know, Felipe is a, arguably a better fighter than Vendera. So I think this is a tough fight for, uh, for, for Vendera, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not super high in Spivak by any means, guys. It's just that. We've seen him win these kind of ugly fights sometimes. Like even the two base of fight takes him down, grinds him out, wins. So that's kind of how I'm leaning a little bit, but it's a fight that I have to think about. And again, we have a month to think about, literally one month till uh, December 12th. All right. I'm going to go to Bellator now because uh, it's a pretty good card. It takes place on Thursday, so we'll be breaking it down right now. I'll go through all the fights. And again, bestfightodds.com. You can get all the odds there for every fight at Bellator 252. I'm going to start with the bottom and work my way up. So. According to Tapology, the first fight, I'm using their list. So, best fight odds, it's a different order, but we'll use Tapology. So, the first fight, Conry Gracie against Trevor Good. And right now, we have Gracie is a huge favorite, minus 560, Good plus 405. I think no surprise here by any means. Connie Gracie, two and one record, but the last name, Gracie. So, that will always get you money on yourself. And you look at his record, he had lost his first fight in Bellator and then won back to back fights. Hasn't fought in a year, though. So, that's obviously a concern. You look at Gud one in one record, Scarecrow, they call him. Um, wow, six foot seven. That's crazy. I didn't realize he was that tall. That that's pretty nuts. I wonder if that's even accurate. That doesn't even make sense to me because he's a welterweight six foot seven. Holy crap, that guy's huge. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know a lot about this guy, but he has been fighting in Cage Titans, which is a pretty good promotion in Northeastern America. One in one in Cage Titans. Again, hasn't fought in a year, which always worries me. Two guys coming off layoffs. They were supposed to fight in September. This is weird though. Six foot seven. They call him Scarecrow for a reason, I guess. That's that's crazy. So probably Conry Gracie is going to be able to duck under, get this guy down, grab his long legs, take him down, beat him up, get a submission. That's probably how the fight goes, if I had to guess. So we don't have prop on the submission or inside the distance right now. But minus 560 and a guy with two fights, guys, I don't know about that. You know, so 
you know, a lot of these Bellator three fights, I should say, with Gracie. But yeah, I mean, to me, this is probably Dogger Pass. You got a guy with a huge physical two of there at six foot seven. Like maybe if he can keep his distance, keep range, jab Gracie, stop the takedowns, he can win. Again, I think Gracie probably gets the takedown, gets the fight to the mat, wins by uh, submission. That's how I'm guessing the fight goes. Those long limbs could be a bad thing too. But minus 560, guys. I know people are going to parlay this. Most Bellator favorites usually do win, it seems like lately. I just wouldn't touch a guy with three fights at minus 560. Doesn't seem like a good bet. Long term, not a good bet. Not a good strategy long term. Now, the next fight here, we got Roman Feraldo against Pat Casey. This is a welterweight boat. And right now, the odds have Feraldo minus 285, Pat Casey plus 225. So let's look at these guys. Roman Feraldo, 3-0, 27 years old, Florida-based fighter. And uh, he's fought in Titan FC recently. He picked up a knockout win. They're all three wins by stoppage. And he does have some experience as an amateur going back to 2013. So again, a guy that has only been pro for two years. So it's pretty impre- impressive. He's uh, up in Delta just fast, but a guy who's had seven years of amateur experience. So definitely a guy that you have to keep your eye on all these knockouts. So super impressive. But again, hasn't been fighting best competition. Then Pat Casey, six and three, great nickname, the Gorilla Ninja, 30 years old fighter. Um, he's been in Bellator. Uh, he's fought a few times in Bellator. Now, the level of competition is just not great. You know, look, most of these guys are 1-1, 0-0, 2-1, whatever. Last guy he fought was 17-6, lost a splitter. Um, he does obviously have some finishing ability, as you can see, but he's been stopped a few times. I don't like that. From what I've seen from this guy in Belter, he wasn't too impressive. I've seen him fight a few times now. He did fight two months ago, so, I mean, he's had a recent fight, which is good. But I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the favorite here in um, – in Feraldo, that would be my pick in this fight. I wonder what the opening was for that. Feraldo, yeah, he opened at minus 205. So it's been steamed a little bit, but I do think he wins. People are fading Pat Casey here, and I think that definitely you can see why they're fading him. Doesn't have a great record. Doesn't have great wins. So yeah, Feraldo probably stops Pat Casey by knockout. If that prop comes out, I would take a look at that. Next up, Lucas Brennan against Andrew Salas at 145. And right now we have Brennan minus 460, Salas plus 335. And again, this is a fight that opened a much smaller line, minus 160 uh, for Brendan, plus 130 for Sloss. And once again, a line that got steamed. So let's take a look at these guys. Lucas Brennan, Sky Walker, interesting nickname, 3-0, only 20 years old. So many of these young kids coming up in the sport, it's amazing. 20 years old, super young, three fights at Bellator, all three uh, by finish. So that's definitely impressive. A guy, again, who's had some experience fighting as uh, an amateur before he came to Bellator. Andrew Salas' opponent here, 6-4 and four record, ice cold. Kind of looks like Luis Pena a little bit. Um, 33 years old, so a lot older. He does train with uh, Dante Rivera's BJJ, so that's a guy who was in the UFC years ago. Um, you look through his record, it's not it's not amazing. I mean, he does have a lot of experience, dating back to eight years as an amateur. As a pro, five years experience. Um, has fought in Bellator a few times. He's fought in CFFC and Ring of Combat, so a New Jersey kind of guy, LFA as well. But three of his last four Fights have ended in a loss form. This looks like an easy spot to fade this guy. So I'm going to take on uh, Brennan. And I see I can see why people took him at minus 160. That was an incredible line, I think, because he should win this fight. But at minus 460 now, again, long-term, it doesn't win when you're – long-term play, long-term strategy, it's not good to bet on guys that are unproven at minus 500 odds. That's just the truth. In this case, I do think this guy wins. If you put him in a parlay, he probably wins. But again, long-term, it's not the greatest strategy if you're going to bet on MMA. You're much better off looking for short lines and for underdogs, but especially short lines uh, of favorites that you think have a better chance to win than the odds you're indicating. Now, the next fight here, uh, Bantamweight boat, Jornel Lugo against 
Shiler Suto. Very interesting name. And right now we have, again, huge odds. Minus 350 Lugo, Suto plus 228. And uh, right now, our, uh, uh, the odds open actually at minus 150. So it's he's been steamed up 200 uh, cents here. And uh, again, I can see why. I mean, he's a pretty good prospect for another call him A1. This guy, 24 years old, super young. You look through his resume, fighting for some decent promotions like uh, CS and, of course, Bellator as well. But, you know, a guy with quite a bit of amateur experience going back four years now. I don't know, though. I mean, Sutho 4-0 himself. So he's 31, a lot older, obviously. But, again, 4-0 as well. Um, he's been fighting in the Baltimore regional scene. So Shogun fights, Jonathan Ogden Foundation, former Ravens player. Now his wins aren't great. Not, neither guy's wins are great. But I, I, I don't know about these odds. They seem a little high for a guy for two guys who are undefeated. Um, you don't really see odds this wide. Again, it opened at minus 150. It's minus 350 now. It seems like lately the early action on these Belter fights on these huge favorites are being steamed up has been correct. So I'm guessing Lugo, someone's seen Lugo's tape and they really like him here. And that's why the line keeps getting hammered. But uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that seems pretty excessive. Again, Lugo should win, guys. But long term, I mean, this is the kind of guy you want to be betting on, uh, a guy with, that's very extremely unproven. I don't know if it's a good idea. Now let's look at the next fight here. We have Devin Powell against Manny Murrow, former UFC fighter Devin Powell. Right now, the odds have Powell minus two eighty-five, Murrow plus two twenty-five. Let's take a look at this fight. Devin Powell, ten and four record. We remember him from the UFC, of course. Thirty-two years old. He was not good in the UFC. I mean, and his to me, his competition wasn't very good either. Drucker Close is a good fighter. He's still in the UFC, but Daryl Horcher and Jesus Pineda are not in the UFC. He did win uh, win against Alvaro Herrera, but he's not in the UFC either. So this is a guy who didn't look very good in the UFC and. Um, I just was never impressed by him. He was a guy that faded every fight. So I'm not going to pick him here, I don't think. I, I just, I, I mean, he might win, but I just fade him every fight. And I, I feel like the odds are a little bit excessive here for a guy that, to me, hasn't been that impressive, hasn't fought in a while. Look at Manny Murrow, 11-6, the dragon they call him. A little bit older, 33, but at least he's coming off two straight wins, right? And he beat Nick Newell in his last fight as an underdog. So he's a guy who's a little bit underrated, I think, by people. And, you know, you look through his record, he's got a lot of losses too, but he has fought decent competition. And again, a guy with a lot of experience going back seven years now. Um, and he's fought uh, for some decent promotions, including Bellator, where he's won a few fights. Yeah, I mean, this is a definitely an interesting fight. But uh, I think it's Dogger Pass, guys. Because Powell, to me, is a guy you fade at like, every fight. And at plus 225, I'll, I'll take a small shot on the dog here. Can't go crazy. But I think Burrow can grind out Powell win decision. So that's kind of how I'm going. I do want to take a comment here. Tiago Silva, oh, the UFC fighter, the former UFC fighter. No, I'm kidding. He says, Pedro Carvalho's crazy odds want to make me bet him. I'll talk about him in a second. And I got another comment from a parlay from uh, Saavedra. How's it going, man? He took a three-leg parlay, Pitbull, Sanchez, Amosov. Little, uh, seems like Locke, a little bit concerned. The Amosov can stuff takedown story. Looks like a top MMA wrestler. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him in a minute. So that's interesting as well. Okay, so Murrow, and then there's two more prelims here I'll talk about quickly. Carrie Melendez against Emily King. And Carrie Melendez did miss weight yesterday, so got to keep that in mind. It was a small weight miss, but she didn't miss weight. So right now, the odds for this fight, Carrie Melendez minus 520, Emily King plus 380. And again, the odds open much smaller, minus 265 and plus 205. So the odds have essentially doubled. And in this case, I can understand because we actually have seen Melendez fight a few times at Bellator now. And, you know, obviously the wife of Gilbert Melendez, she's someone Bellator likes. You can tell, you know, very attractive woman very marketable and she's a killer in the cage man i know she doesn't have any knockouts or finishes but i like her fighting style you know she's a striker she goes forward i like watching her fight so she's been four and oh in bellator she's looked good even the kickboxing fight she won going back five years now um yeah i like carrie melendez and you look at emily king her record four and three it's not good 
She's a little bit younger, 27 years old, but uh, and she has, you know, to be fair to her, coming off a couple of wins, she's improved herself. Because you look at her start in her career, she lost to Kay Hansen, UFC fighter, first fight, lost her first first three fights by submission, and uh, then she won fourth straight fight. So clearly, a fighter has improved, and you got to take that into account here. But and I'm assuming she's going to try to go to the ground here with Carrie Melendez because that's probably how she win the fight. But I think Melendez actually might be better on the ground too. So I really like Carrie Melendez here, guys. I do think she could possibly. You know, if you're someone like uh, Severda who likes to parlay the big favorites, I think she could be someone you throw in there too because I think she wins for sure. My pick's going to be Melendez here. I think she actually get a finish on King. I think she can take her down to the ground and submit her. So that's going to be my pick in this one. Uh, Aaron Pico against John DeJesus is the next fight, the last prelim here in the US, uh, Bellator featherweight division. Aaron Pico minus 860. John DeJesus plus 525. When are people going to learn Aaron Pico? Are you kidding me? Again, the line opened at minus 450 and plus 350, respectively. It's been skewed up to basically double. Now, Aaron Pico, we all know this guy is a great prospect. We all know that. He's super young, 24. Jackson Wink guy. I mean, and you look at his experience. He's fought some pretty tough guys. He's 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 been fighting as a pro since he was basically 20 years old, and he didn't have much experience. They threw in the fire. You, you can't forget this fight with Freeman where he got tapped out in his first fight. It was pretty surprising. He was a huge under, uh, huge favorite there. And same with the Cross and Borch fight. So overall, I mean, yes, he's 6-3, and three, but if you've been betting on, on uh, Aaron Pico, you've lost money during his run because he's always a juiced-up favorite. In this case, he's a massively juiced favorite. And I can see why because, again, Aaron Pico is so talented and he's coming off two straight wins. He's looked great lately, but I can never bet on this guy again, I don't think, unless it's like a reasonable line, like a minus 200 line or something like that. Minus 860, I, would, I wouldn't even touch this. This guy, John DeJesus, yes, he probably is going to lose this fight. You look at his record, it's not great, 13-8, and eight, not that great. He is coming off three straight wins, though. He did fight in Bellator a couple months ago, which is nice to see. He does have experience fighting in arena combat, LFA, CFFC, King of the Cage. This guy can win this fight. This is a this is a live dog, in my opinion. You can't pick Aaron Pico at minus 860, guys, seriously. I know people are going to parlay him, and again, he probably does win, but there's no way, and again, Long term, that's a bad strategy to be betting on nine to one favorites and guys who have six and three records at nine to one. Aaron Pico is probably going to win by knockout. That's how I'm guessing this fight goes. But with that chain man, there's no way in hell I bet on Aaron Pico. I wouldn't be shocked at all if this guy knocked him out. So my pick's Pico by KO. But if he gets KO'd at all, it's your fault you bet on him. I would pass completely. Now let's get to the main card here. Daniel Vaisho against Emmanuel Sanchez. Five round featherweight bout. It's a tournament fight. It is five rounds. So interesting fight here. It's a rematch they fought before, and Vaisho won a split decision a couple years ago. Now, right now, the odds have Sanchez minus 250, Vaisho plus 210. Opening odds were a little bit uh, shorter at minus 189 and plus 150, respectively. So a little bit of action coming in on De Emmanuel Sanchez here, and, and I can see it. I mean, this is a great fight. Now, let's go through both guys here. I'm going to start with Sanchez. 19-4 record in his career, El Matador, 30 years old, Rufus Sport uh, product. And he's been in Bellator for a long time. He's in Bellator since 2014. So I've watched this guy over the years. And he's a guy that when he first came to Bellator, I mean, he looked like a pretty good fighter, but he was winning these. Look at this. He had four straight fights and went to split. And this guy is in close fights a lot of the time. But over the years, he's really improved. And you look at some of the wins he has. Corrales, Daniel Pineda, who just announced to fight uh, Cub Swanson in the UFC. Justin Lawrence, former UFC fighter. And then you look at some of the other wins. Kara Kanyan, Daniel Strauss, former champion. Sam Cecilia, former Bellator fighter. Another win over Georgie. The last fight gets Taiwan Claxton, tapped him out. This guy's impressive. I'm a huge fan of Emmanuel Sanchez. I think he's a really good fighter. Now, he does have a loss to Daniel Vice, we have to mention. It was in 2016, so a couple years ago now. And uh, he was an underdog in that fight he was supposed to lose, but it was a super close fight. The thing is, this is a five-round fight. It's different. It's not three rounds. So I think he's got a little bit more room for error, a little bit more uh, room to play with here. 
Now, Vaishal is, is a great fighter too, tons of experience, 40 and 11. I mean, he's got over 50 fights. He's a little bit older at 35, but he's a guy that started his career early. You look at his early career, he fought guys like uh, Dan Hardy and Paul Daly back in the day uh, in the um, British regional scene. Even Tiago Tavares in 2006, before he was in the UFC, came in the cage. I mean, this guy, I have a, respe- I have a lot of respect for him, man. He's been around for a long time. Shudo Holland, everywhere. Um, it's a guy I have a lot of respect for, but he is getting up there in age. And again, you look through his resume, he has some really good wins in Bellator, no doubt about it. Des Green, I was at that fight in Ontario. It was in uh, Casino Ram in Ontario. He finished him. I couldn't believe that. We were all surprised that night. Matt Bissett, former UFC fighter. Pat Curran, former Bellator champion. Again, Manuel Sanchez, Kerry Conyan, uh, John Teixeira, former UFC fighter. So, I mean, he has a lot of experience and he has a lot of good wins. He is coming off a win over Saul Rogers. It was a while ago, over a year ago. Um, Sanchez also with a layoff here, obviously, but... Uh, I don't know, guys. I'm thinking for a five-round fight, I, I do favor Manuel Sanchez. I think he's going to be the younger guy here, more busy, more volume. I expect to be a very competitive fight. I think it probably does go the full five rounds, so get ready for a 25-minute fight here, guys. But, you know, close competitive fights on paper, but I, I do lean towards Sanchez. So, you know, I'd love for the odds to drop back down to the minus 180 territory where he opened, but, you know, I expect him to be a pretty popular parlay piece here, and I do think he wins this fight. So Manuel Sanchez, by decision, over four and a half rounds, I'm looking at that, minus 225. I think that probably wins two. And uh, Sanchez by decision is plus 105. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it here. Sanchez by decision is going to be my pick in this fight, guys. Next up, uh, we have, this is a great fight, co-main event, Yaroslav Amoslav against Logan Story. I love this fight. This is a great fight. The winner of this fight could get a title shot, especially if it's Amosov. Let's look at him. So the odds, by the way. Minus 185 for Amosov, plus 160 for Storley. They opened at minus 400 for Amosov, Storley plus 300. So this is completely different than every fight in this card we've talked about. The, the uh, favorite hasn't been steamed. He's actually been dropped down to a lower favorite. So Storley, the money's coming in on him, and I can see why. But I like Amosov here, guys. I really do. And first off, this stands out 24-0. How do you not love that? He's never lost. 24 fights, 27, right in his prime, Ukrainian fighter. And I like what he's in Bellator. Look at his book he's beaten. He beat Gerald Harris, beat Eric Silva, Dave Rickles, Ed Ruth, Mark Leninger. It's almost like he was taking a step backwards here, but he's looked great. The guy's, he's an awesome fighter, man. Great wrestling, good striking submissions. He's really good. He's been fighting as a pro since 2012. Hasn't lost yet. This is a guy that I think could be a champion in Bellator. You look through his resume, a lot of submissions, um, mostly submissions, but a couple knockouts too. He's just a really good fighter. Now, Logan Storley is an interesting matchup. Logan Storley, 11-0, Storm. Look at the picture, man. He is a high-level wrestler, 28 years old. He's a Sanford MMA guy, so he's trained with amazing wrestlers down there. Michael Chandler, Kamaru Usman, he was for a while. Uh, Gilbert Burns, so he's trained with great fighters down there. And you look what he's did in Bellator, 11-0 and in his career in MMA. And uh, in Bellator, he's 6-0 and with a lot of wins by ground and pound. Um, this guy is a vicious ground power. He kind of reminds me of like Covington maybe a little bit when he was coming up. So this is an interesting fight because I actually lean toward Amosov and I lean towards him a decent amount. I think at minus 185, I like him there, but Storley's definitely an interesting prospect and the fact that so much action is coming in on him does worry me a little bit. I've got to be honest. Like someone's clearly seen something on the tape or some, some hedge fund or someone's slamming this line. But, you know, again, my picks would be Amosov, guys. I do think he wins the decision. I just think he's a more dynamic, well-rounded fighter. But with Storley's wrestling, he could get this fight to the ground and make it interesting, grind about win decision. Look at some props in this fight. The fight goes the distance, minus 240. I think that happens. Amazon by decision, plus 120. You could hedge it with Sorley by decision, plus 270. I don't see a finish happening here. Maybe um, Amazon is on the ground and he gets Storley in a sub, a sub possibly, or Storley connects on a, a punch. I don't know, but I'm leaning towards uh, a decision here. So 
And it's not a bad decision. That's why I like your guys. And again, uh, he is a favorite, but I, I do think the odds, um, I think minus 400 is probably too high, but minus 200, minus 250 would have been a little bit more fair, I think. So, you know, minus 185, it's, it's not bad if you like him here, I don't think. But again, Storley's dangerous and he's a live dog for sure. Now let's go to the main event here. Pedro Carvalho against Patricio Pitbull, guys. And Patricio Pitbull putting the Bellator Featherweight Championship on the line it is a tournament fight as well. So if Carvalho wins, he'll be the champion and then move on to the tournament. Now let's look at the odds. They open at minus 909 and plus 550 respectively. Right now we have minus 680, plus 490. And I don't think anyone could be surprised here. I mean, obviously Patricio Pitbull is going to be favored. He's an incredible fighter. Look at his record, 34, great record. He is 33. He's a little bit out of his prime now, I think, but he's still great. And he's won five straight fights. He's been in Bellator forever. He's been in Bellator since 2010, 10 years in Bellator. And, you know, I love the guy, man. He's amazing. And you look at some of the wins he's had. Wilson Hayes twice, Carrick Conan, Daniel Strauss, Diego Nunez, Justin Wilcox. These are all notable fighters. Pat Curran, Daniel Strauss again, Daniel Weichel, Corral is Strauss again. They fought four times, I think. Weichel, Sanchez, Chandler knocked him out. How do you not like this guy? So he's amazing. And uh, Carvalho is in, uh, I think, for Wilder Hurt here, man. This is a tough fight for him. And Pedro Carvalho, 11-3 records. Portuguese fighter, one of the few out there at, at the high levels of the sport. 25. He's an SVG guy, so he's training with good fighters there, Connor and those guys. But, you know, he's looking belter. I mean, let's give the guy some credit. He's won six straight fights. He's looked good. He beat Sam Silly, He beat Derek Campos. He beat these other guys. He's looked good. No doubt about it. He has looked good. He's been impressive. He's been a surprise. This is a horrible matchup. There's a reason. Remember, Pitbull got to pick his fight. He picked this guy. He was the weakest guy in the field. I remember watching the, the selection show, which was cool, by the way. And I was like, Pitbull better pick uh, Carvalho. And, of course, that's who he picked. So, yeah, I, I you got to like Pitbull here, guys, obviously. Now, the question is, is he win a decision or a stoppage? You look at Carvalho's record, and, well, there's no record of how he lost these fights. But, man, I mean, it's Patricio Pitbull. Um, there's a reason the over-under set at one and a half rounds here. And the fight doesn't go the distance. It's minus 490. So, yeah, I mean, everyone thinks that Pitbull's going to win the fight inside the distance. That's minus 295. I mean, if you want a better line, the money line, that probably wins. Now, let's let's be fair to Carvalho. We should at least consider him here. Like, how could he win? I guess it would be Pitbull using his wrestling to make him – and then makes a mistake on the ground. Carvalho gets, like, an arm bar or something, or a guillotine maybe jumps guard, gets a guillotine. I'm not sure, but I, I don't really see too many paths to victory here because Pitbull has such good wrestling, and his striking is light years better. So, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why so I – I'm not a genius here by suggesting Pitbull's going to win by knockout. That's my pick, though. Maybe look for that prop that comes up. But right now, we do have inside the distance. It's basically half the price of the money, a little bit, little bit better than that. Maybe take a look at the over-under because that's set at one and a half rounds. Um, I definitely think this guy could get finished in the first round. But to be honest with you, I mean, they are featherweights. So it, it could go past one and a half minutes. Uh, excuse me, uh, two and a half minutes of the second round. So I would maybe take a look at that over too. That's kind of how I'd be thinking about this one, guys. Maybe take a look at that over. But again, Pitbull's going to win. He's probably going to win by knockout. But does it happen in the first round? Or does it happen in the second, third, fourth, or fifth? I mean, if you look at the odds, again, the best way to attack this fight would be the over-under because it's set in the pick them essentially. And uh, take a look at that one. So my lean would be over. I do like Pitbull here, obviously. So again, you know, this is a Belter card looking at it top to bottom here, guys. It's a card that most likely the favorites will win. And we have seen that lately. but. There's been some close calls like the Jake Hager fight. Everett parlayed him at like minus a thousand. He almost lost his fight. So you got to be careful when you're parlaying these massive favorites. But again, most of them probably win on this card. Although I did pick a few live dogs like Murrow that I think could have a chance here and, and a few other guys. So take a look at this card, guys. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have 
some MMA action on Thursday night. And there's definitely some betting opportunities here. It's just that you hope that Bellator eventually the lines balance out. We don't have these massive, massive favorites all the time. And by the way, the odds on Eric Pico went up again. He's minus 925. So someone who's listening to this podcast didn't listen to me. I know Magician. Pitbull inside distance minus 200 poker stars. Yeah, I think that wins, bro. I, I do think Pitbull inside the distance is going to be the winner here. If he goes to the decision, I mean, it's possible. And you're going to be like, damn, why don't you just put him in a parlay in the money line? But minus 690 is just not it, – it, minus 680. It's just – it's a tough line. It is a tough line to bet on. Although, again, he should win this fight. All right. Now – I would, I would talk about belt or UFC for a little bit. Um, I already broke down this card, so go back and watch Tuesday's show. I think a lot of you guys probably did, but let's talk about this card a little bit more because we do have a little bit more information about this card, obviously. So, you know, all my picks were on Tuesday. Go back and watch that. I'm not going to give my picks right now, but some more information about this card. Paul Felder, he says that he's going to retire if he wins. Most likely he's going to retire if he beats Farfield Sanyo. So Paul Felder is such a great fireman. I love that he stepped up, but, you know, it's just the fact he stepped on five days, guys, against a guy who RDA has been training for a few months now for this fight. It's such a tough spot for Paul Felder. But at the same time, you know, the odds continue to creep up on RDA. And right now it's minus 190 plus 165. My lean is RDA to win decision. I do think that's what's going to happen. But the line keeps going up and people are just disrespecting Paul Felder. He can win this fight. He can absolutely win this fight. If he keeps the fight in the feet, he might have the better striking, better the better technical striking, might be more active. I think RDA is going to mix it up and land takedowns. I think that's what's going to happen. That's why I do believe he wins this fight because I think he has the better grappling as well. But, you know, the line keeps creeping up, guys, and it's not a gimme by any means. People think this is a lock for RDA. I don't agree with that at all. You know, just because he took it on short notice doesn't mean Felder's going to go and lay down for him in this fight. Paul Felder's a guy, great cardio, great durability, and the guy, he's just hes just a real fighter, man. He's not going to go in there and lie down for RDA. He's going to put up a good fight. This is a tougher fight than people are indicating, in my opinion. You know, going through the rest of these fights, you guys know how I felt about that. You saw on Tuesday, the co-main event here, um, these fights as well. Now, this one's actually, I was reading an interview with Kay Hansen. Man, she's kind of an interesting girl. You know, uh, she dropped out of high school to pursue MMA, which is really interesting to me because I don't think that's a decision that seems wise on paper, but it's worked out pretty well for her so far. She's in the UFC. I think she won a bonus, right, for a submission on Frey, if I'm not mistaken. So clearly uh, worked out for her. But it was interesting hearing her talk about her father, who was like, super possessive and he was like controlling her social media and stuff and she completely separated with the guy i think she said she's you know living on her own maybe with her boyfriend or something now but she's all in on this and again not a good record but reading more of your interview you know some of her losses came on super short notice and stuff so this is an interesting fight though because again mckenna i talked about this in the podcast so small for this division 58 inch reach so small but you look at the fights that hansen has lost she kind of got a wrestle mckenna is known for wrestling so i you know i was leaning towards hansen but it's an it's a more interesting fight than I initially looked at it. There's some other fights here. We talked about obviously Anders Arroyo. Colt's got an interview with Anders. Check that out. This is such a good fight here. Strickland Allen, that's the best fight in the card. And some other fights here. Again, I talked about it on Tuesday. I don't want to give my picks away now. Go back and watch Tuesday episode, please, and check out my picks. But this is a good card. I mean, it's not as bad as people are saying. It's pretty good. There's some really good fights on the uh prelims. Got Melissa Wilson here, love her content. Hey, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. That is really nice to hear that. So thank you. Now, okay, so we did Bellator, Dana White Contenders. Let's go to some news here. I'm going to pull up bjpen.com. You guys know that's one of my homes. Hopefully it works. There we go. So there's a lot of news to talk about, obviously. Uh, let's start with uh, the stuff up here. I'm, I'm going to, I'll am gonna. i skip the, the finances for a second here. I want to go to Marcel's page, give him some love. So let's talk about this. Uh, Jan says that Glover is a title shot. And, you know, it's not really up to Jan. It's going to be up to the UFC and what they want to do. But it sure seems like Dana White's kind of rethinking things. 
I just don't understand why he announced that fight a week before the Glover and Tiago fight. Why was there such a rush to be like, Izzy's fighting Yan next? And again, this wasn't a fight that people were like, I really want to see Izzy fight Yan. Everyone's like, I want to see Izzy fight Jones. Okay, I got that. But when Yan won the title, it's just it's kind of weird that people are like, I want to see Izzy fight Jones. I don't get that. But uh, sorry, Izzy fight Yan. I, I just didn't I didn't hear anyone say they want to see this fight. And all of a sudden, the UFC booked it. So very, very strange. I think Glover ultimately gets it. I did see a prop bet. I can't remember what website it was on. I can't remember now, but there was a prop bet on, on uh, will Glover to share who will he fight next? And Jan was a pick or something, minus 110. That, to me, is going to be a winner, guys. Jan will fight Glover next, in my opinion. So if you can get – and I can't remember what book it was. And I saw it yesterday, but Glover, who his next fight would be against Jan, minus 110. It could have been my bookie. I can't remember, though. Get a comment here from uh, Unknown Magician. Hanson sub and points handicap. That's how I picked it, man. I did pick her by sub. I think she's going to win this fight. And points handicap is interesting. But again, McKenna's wrestling. Something about this fight just kind of makes me uh, something uneasy about it. I really do like Hanson. I think she wins. I like this girl. There's just some when these fights happen, the UFC makes them. You're like, why did they make this fight? Sometimes these underdogs come through. So it's like one of those fights where I'm like, is Sean Shelby and Nick Maynard see something here that we're not seeing? Because I see a girl that's really small, really short, with no experience in McKenna taking on someone who's good, who has a UFC fighter ready in Hanson. We'll see. But I like Hanson by sub too. So we'll see what happens. Every fight's a risk. You guys all know that. Marcus Williams, what do you think's next for Ferguson? After seeing Poria get Connor, I bet Tony wished he took Chandler. If Tony had beat Chandler, he'd been in a better position to get Habib. This is really interesting. So remember, Ferguson was supposed to fight Chandler, guys, at UFC 254 last month. That fight was scratched because they couldn't come to a money, a dis- a money agreement. So... Yes, it's it's very interesting, Marcus, because he did turn him down there. Um, Tony had a chance to fight. Chandler said no. Both those guys said, we're, we're not going to fight each other. You know, we want to make sure that the UFC is paying us properly, and they didn't have to take the fight. But Dustin went and took the fight with Connor because it's for money instead. So Tony kind of got screwed, but he kind of he played himself a little bit too, guys. So I'm with you, Marcus. I think he did make a mistake. I did an article for MMA ratings yesterday. Please check it out, guys. I did some matchmaking. My pick was uh, Chandler versus Ferguson. I think that fight makes so much sense based on the division. And the winner probably gets a title shot. Some of the other fights I picked were Gaethje and Hooker and some other ones. You guys go and check it out, please. Uh, the article was pretty good, I thought. So definitely check it out. So yes, Marcus, looking at the rankings and everything, Chandler's Ferguson makes a lot of sense. I know Magician. Phil McKenna stepped down for favorite sure, so I'm with you on why. I don't know why it's made. I'm with you too, man. But it's one of those fights where sometimes you look at it when you're like, why did they book this fight? Why are they putting two prospects together? Why are they putting someone with a fight against someone with no fights? And then you think about it a little bit more and you're like, okay, maybe they're seeing something we're not. But again, you know, the only way McKenna's going to win is she takes her down and holds her there, like Demopolis, which how she beat her. I don't see that happening. Hanson's way too dynamic. She's a much better fighter than Vanessa Demopolis. So I like Hanson a lot in that fight. Um, some other news here. Uh, let's see here. This Well, I'm going to do finances a bit. So <clears throat> getting back to what Mark was saying, Connor and Dustin, it seems to be basically official now at this point. Like, I don't think the UFC's put the poster out there by any means, but it's essentially official. Uh both sides have agreed to the fight, and Dana says that they're they've already agreed to the contract with Poria. They're just waiting for Connor to sign it, but it looks like it's going to happen. UFC 257 in Fight Island, not in Vegas, not in Vegas, Fight Island. So you got to wonder a few things. First off, are they going to have fans there? Because you know they want to have fans. Last time, I think there was too short notice to have guys tested, but I think definitely. You could see fans at this fight potentially in uh, Abu Dhabi. I'm not saying a lot of fans, but I think you will see some fans in that venue. So that'd be kind of how I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. 
And they might not just be normal fans like us. <laughs> they might be like rich business people and sheiks and stuff, these oil barons that have like money, tons of money, right? So that's kind of how I'm thinking it's going to be. But Dana White definitely wants to make a gate. If he can get some people in there to, to make some money from, he's going to do it. Melissa says, Michael Chandler deserves the two game for UFC brass. They love him. They love Michael Chandler. I love him too. Great fighter. First off, great fighter. Amazing talker too. Very articulate when he speaks. He is a, a great addition to the UFC roster. I know that a lot of UFC fans look at Michael Chandler. They compare him to Will Brooks, who beat him twice in Belcher. I get that they that they fought, and, and Chandler lost twice. So I get that. But it's a different situation. Michael Chandler is a better fighter. He, he did lose those fights to Will Brooks. It was a long time ago, though. I think Chandler's really shown he's improved a lot since then. And again, you know, it's a guy that was, it was a killer in Belgium for years. It was almost 10 years ago where he beat Eddie Alvarez, who eventually became UFC champion. You can't just look at Will Brooks and Hector Lombard and these guys that struggled in uh, the UFC and say Bellator champions suck because Eddie Alvarez went and won the UFC belt from Rafael Lasagna. He's fighting this weekend. I don't know if Michael Chandler's going to win the belt because I think he has a really tough fights ahead of him. Like Ferguson's a very tough fight. Gaethje's a tough fight. Uh, Connor's a tough fight. Poirier's a tough fight. But, you know, he definitely got a chance. The guy's a really good fighter. Going down a little bit here. Uh, Rafael Zorn, he still wants the McGregor fight. I don't think it's happening, guys. I remember when this fight was going to happen in 2016, then obviously Artie got hurt. They pulled him out. Nate Diaz came in. The rest is history. I, I don't mind seeing this fight at some point, but I, I just don't think it makes sense anytime soon. Maybe if Rafael Zorn goes out there, smashes Paul Feller, knocks him out, and then he beats a guy like Ferguson or Gaethje or Poirier in his next fight, then he could potentially talk about a title fight against McGregor because – it does seem like McGregor probably gets a title shot at some point, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think right now it doesn't look like he'll get that fight. Uh, Dan, uh, Leon Edwards got a message for Dana White with a smasher boy. I love this quote. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, that's a close fight. And you look at the odds for that fight, Edwards and Kamaev. And right now, wow. Wow. So the line got steamed even more. Yeah. So the odds open, guys. Kamaev plus 150, Edwards plus minus 175. And right now we got minus 215 for uh, Kamaev. And uh, plus 170 for Edward. Actually, the lines to cut steamed overnight. So, someone who's watching these interviews, both these guys have been doing, and, and they put some more money on Kamayev. I got to be honest, that is kind of my lean, my initial lean there. And I, I love that plus money. Oh my God, I wish I gobbled that plus 150 up, guys. I really wish I did. Didn't hit it on time. But yeah, I mean, at this point, these, this line seems crazy. Minus 215, really? Like, Edwards is an amazing fighter. That, that line's excessive. I think Kamayev at like minus 140 plus 100 Edwards is much more fair. Minus 215, I'm surprised it's getting to that level now, but clearly people really like Kamzak Kamayev. Here's another fight that I wouldn't mind seeing. Kelvin Gaston called Edmund Shabazian on Twitter. Kelvin's ranked number eight, Shabazian number 11. Makes a lot of sense. Kelvin, uh, he hasn't fought in a while now. And, uh, well, since the summer, actually, got submitted by Jack Hermanson. He hasn't won in a while, I should say. He hasn't won since May 2018. I was looking at this yesterday. His last win against Jock Array, that was two and a half years ago. And his last knockout win was against Bisping in November 2017, two weeks after Bisping got smashed by GSP. So, yeah, I mean, I like Kelvin. I've always liked the guy, but uh, he needs a win because he's lost three straight fights. And he's calling on a guy in Shabazian who's ranked lower in the bottom 15, but a guy who's talented, a guy who's only 21, a guy who's coming off a tough loss, Derek Brunson, though, his first career loss. I don't think the UFC is going to book this fight. On the – you know, on paper, it makes sense. The rankings, it makes sense. I just feel like they're going to give Edmund a layup, guys. I think they're going to build Edmund up against someone probably not ranked. And Kelvin Gaston's probably going to wind up finding someone in the top 10. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with uh, Uriah Hall. They fought seven years ago at the tough finale. That wouldn't be a bad rematch. Also, Yoel Romero, I think, is still out there, too. He's looking for a fight. So possibly that could be the fight. But I don't think they give him Shabazzian because I think they're going to rebuild Edmund. 
he's too young to just throw him in the fire again and, and risk another loss. But betting odds, we know what that. Um, let's go down here a little bit. Yeah, again, Edwards just he's just going crazy about him. Now, here's something interesting. Kevin Holland's playing and moved to 170. He wants um, Maswell's BMF title. That's interesting. So Kevin Holland, I love Kevin Holland. He's amazing. Four nodes so far in 2020 during the pandemic. He's going for his fifth straight win in December against Jack Hermanson. It's a really tough fight to call. Um, you know, Jack Hermanson obviously is more established at middleweight, but Kevin Holland's great, and I think he absolutely deserves that chance. But it's interesting. He's kind of almost looking past Jack here. I don't like that. Talk about a move to 170. He wants Masvidal. He wants to fight for the BMF title. I don't like hearing that. I love this guy, man. He's looked incredible. He's winning fights. He's getting too confident, though, because you can't look past a guy like Jack Hermanson. So to me, that's a mistake. I understand he, he's got his goals and he wants to make money, man. And fight Kevin Holland versus Masvidal is actually a really fun fight. And also, Kevin Holland, he's said in the interview, he weighs 196. He cuts 20, he cuts 15 pounds to make 180, or uh, sorry, he cuts uh, 10 pounds or 11 pounds to make 185, 186. He would have to cut 25, 26 pounds to make 170. That's doable. It's it's not easy, but it's doable because I remember guys like GSP would weigh in the 190. So absolutely, uh, Johnny Hendricks too. He was actually like 210 used to cut down. Rumble Johnson. So it's not going to be an easy weight cut, but I think Maslow or uh, Holden can get to 170. I just don't think he should be calling him Maslow. And I get he wants to be enough belt and, and stuff like that. But Maslow, I think he's going to end up fighting Colby and you'll probably see the BMF title on the line in, in a tough coaches matchup. Love Holland, but... I hope he stays focused on this fight because Jack Hermes is no joke. Corey Sanhagen, he wants a number of contender fight with T.J. Olshaw. Sign me up for this one, guys. I love this fight. So basically, Corey said, he's already said he wants to be the backup for the title fight at 256, Peter Yan and Aldrin Sterling. So he obviously didn't deserve a title shot coming off the loss of Sterling. But after being Marais, he's right back up there. He is the number two ranked guy behind Sterling now. Dillashaw hasn't fought in two years. He hasn't fought since January 2019 where he got knocked out by Sudo and then tested positive. He lost his title. Two years later, he could get a number contender fight because he is a former champ. He didn't technically lose his belt. He gave up his belt because he tested positive for PDs um, and EPO specifically. I really liked TJ Dillashaw back then, back, back in the day. He was amazing, but the whole PD thing really soured me in this guy. I remember making a lot of money on him, though, against uh, Corey, Cody Garbrandt both times, but especially that uh, the time at UFC 217 where everyone thought he was going to lose and goes and knocks him out. This is a tough fight for him. I think San Hagen would probably be favored because of the size difference. He's so big. But Dillashaw, you know, stylistically is a great fight. Now, I just don't know if he deserves a top three guy, though, after a PD suspension. So I'm thinking they give Dillashaw someone lower ranked. And, uh, you know, the one guy that I'd really like to see him fight, and he's not ranked in the top 15 right now, but I'd love to see him fight Casey Kenny, guys, in like a doppelganger matchup. Because let's be honest, Dillashaw and Casey Kenny look very similar. And I think it'd be a fun fight. But Sam Hagen, if he wants the fight, he really wants it, maybe the UFC will give it to him. But I'm almost thinking he might just wait for the winner of that fight, especially if it's uh, Yan, because then you could do Yan Sanhagen. There's a few other guys out there, like Frankie Edgar and a couple other guys, but it looks like Sanhagen's he's either uh, got his uh, laser locked in on TJ Dolshaw or title shot. It's a few other things here. Felder, I already talked about that. 50-50 chance to retire. Now, this is interesting. Bellator, Scott Curry says he's not interested in signing Eric Silva. He says that right now they're not interested. I think they're still going to sign him if, if he can – get on this UFC deal because technically he does have fights left on his UFC deal. But, you know, if Bellator offers him a deal, I think basically what happened is he's not officially a free agent now, so Scott can't even comment on him, really. Uh, I'm telling you guys right now, don't be surprised if Anderson ends up in Bellator. There's better fights there for him, easier fights for him. He goes there and fights Melvin Manhoof in his debut. He probably knocks him out in stunning fashion, and people talk about how he's back. So, you know, I do think he ends up in Bellator. He didn't even look that bad against Uriah Hall, guys, seriously. I know he got finished, 
I picked Ryan Hall there by knockout. I knew that was going to happen, but he didn't look that bad in that fight. Speaking of Bellator, Phil Davis and not Corey Anderson is going to be fighting next against Vinny Namkov. Interesting decision here. They fought uh, before. Namkov won a split decision a couple years ago. Corey Anderson coming off the win over Manhoff. Um, he's won five of his last six fights. Corey Anderson, don't forget, he's got two wins over top three fighters in the UFC light heavyweight division in Jan and Glover. So I would have went with Corey Anderson personally because I, I, I think Phil Davis is kind of a boring fighter to watch. And to me, winning a really just ugly decision over Machida, I, I, I just don't see that being title worthy. But he is a former champ. He's a guy who's been around for a lot longer in Bellator. They're clearly uh, interested in this rematch. Um, and he has a chance to win. It's an interesting fight, five rounds. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would have given it to Corey Anderson personally. Let's see here. What else? Uh, no, okay. I'm, I think I want to get to some fight announcements now because most of this stuff is, is stuff that we've already talked about the last couple of days. So let's go to fight announcements. So I'm going to pull up Marcel's career page. Love this guy. Does a great job there. Fight that, well, I think I was the first one to talk about it last night, write about it on Twitter. Cub Swanson's Daniel Pineda, guys. Great fight. Love this matchup. Cobb Swanton, he's coming off a win over Kron Gracie. He did tear his ACL a year ago, though, so he's been out for a year with a knee injury, which is definitely concerning at age 37. But uh, he had a great performance against Kron uh, Gracie and very exciting fight. Before that, he lost four straight fights. Now, I remember picking him against Kron. I think he was a dog in that fight. I loved him in that spot. I'm not sure about the spot. This is a tough spot. Dale Pineda, he's on a seven-fight unbeaten streak. He looked incredible in his return to the UFC, finishing Herbert Burns, stopping him. That was a great win. Herbert Burns was looking at like a guy who was on the rise there, uh, Gilbert Brothers. So that was a great win for him. And, and this guy has a lot of experience. He's not young either. People think he's like a prospect. He's 35. This is his second run in the UFC. He's making the most of it so far. Um, I got to see the odds for this, guys. I'm assuming Cobb's going to be favored because he's a bigger name. But to be honest with you, I think Pineda's got a really good chance to win this fight. So that's a dog I'd be looking at. It's at UFC 256, one month, exactly one month from today, December 12th. I would be taking a look at Pineda as a dog. But we'll see how the line ends up. I really don't really know how they're going to line it. Because Cub Swanson, he's always getting, he's always a guy who's pretty popular with, with the betting odds, but not lately. So maybe Pineda, who's always a dog, will get a little bit more respect this time. Steven Thompson, Jeff Neal. This has already been announced. I have talked about this fight already. I love this matchup, though. It's a great fight. Uh, Jeff Neal is a guy I'm so high on. 5-0 in the UFC. He's looked incredible. He is coming off a long layoff. He hasn't fought since last um, December. I can't believe it's been a year between fights with this guy because I was at his last fight when he knocked on Mike Perry. He looked amazing. I thought, wow, this is a nice win. This is going to really catapult this guy. But as a fought in a year, Stephen Thompson, he actually hasn't fought in, in over a year since he hasn't fought since last November against Vicente Luque. One decision there. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a close fight, guys. Super competitive. I don't know if we have odds for it yet. Let me take a look. Yeah, I don't see odds. I honestly don't even know how they're going to line it. It could be a pick em. I think Thompson might be favorite Slade because he is ranked a little bit ahead, more experience, et cetera. But this is a close fight. Jeff Mills, he's got the tools to win this fight. Amazing fight. Love this matchup. Macy Barber, Alexa Grasso. I don't get it. I don't understand this fight. Someone explain this matchup for me. How does this make sense at all? Macy Barber is coming off a brutal loss to Roxanne Marfair. Terrible loss. She got destroyed in that fight. And she's super young. Why are you putting against her, uh, against someone like Grasso who also needs to be rebuilt? It's just a really strange fight. I don't understand the matchmaking here. Let's take a look at Barber. She's so young still, 22. Why are they throwing her in there with such a tough fight? Grasso is, is not a pushover any means. And you look at Barber, 8-1. And, and yes, she looked incredible in her first call fights at the UFC, stopping Jillian Robertson, JJ Oliver, Hannah Cyphers. But look terrible against Roxanne. And I know Roxanne is a highly ranked fighter. I get that. But Roxanne, someone she was supposed to beat, she was minus 1,000, and she got destroyed. Why would you not build her up again against someone who's ranked low in the division? Why not give her someone like Hannah Cyphers again or someone like that, like someone low-ranked? 
You were someone coming off a couple losses. Why are you throwing in with Grasso? And again, Grasso, she is a good fighter, man. She's only 27 too. So she's a prospect in, in her own way itself. And I get that, you know, she's been a little bit disappointing and obviously very inconsistent four and three record, but coming off a win over Kim, one of her best performances looked great in that fight. I just don't understand the matchmaking here. If anyone has a comment about this fight, throw it in there because to me, this is just a bizarre matchup. I don't get it, guys. Why would you want to ruin a prospect here? It doesn't make sense to me. This is a division flyweight that needs more prospects. You don't need to be matching up prospects against each other. It just doesn't make sense. Very weird. Don't understand the fight at all. Don't like it. We talked about this one already. Did that one already, too. This is a fight I missed, though. Spike Carlisle against Bill Algio. Quickly talk about this one. Fun fight. Spike Carlisle, the ginger, alpha ginger. Now, he was a lot of stuff he talks about on social media. It's not really stuff I'm interested in talking about, so people don't really like him that much. But as a fighter, you know, he's pretty good, 9-2. This fight was incredible against Quarantilla. It was a super close fight. He lost, but it was such a good fight to watch. And then Algio, this guy's coming off a great fight, too, against Ricardo Lamas. Amazing fight. He did lose that fight. But Lamas retired after that fight, and you know this is a guy with a lot of experience now, and and he's got some good fights. This Lawson fight, I still can't believe that guy's not UFC. That's a joke. Just shows how petty Dana White can be at times. But yeah, I mean this is a great fight. Um, I think Carlos probably a little bit more round rounded, but Algio looked so good in that Lamas fight, guys, and he could absolutely win this fight. So interesting fight. Um, probably close to pick up odds, I had to guess. And yeah, all these other fights I've talked about here. So I think that's going to be it for that. Let me just see what else I missed out on. Not much. Let's go to MMAoddsbreaker.com. That's the home. That's my home, home of the podcast. Love MMAoddsbreaker.com. Check out the website, guys. We've got a lot of ton, uh, tons of great content. So obviously the, the podcast we're doing right now, and then I have I have my full written breakdown of RDA for Felder. So if you want more thoughts on that fight, definitely check that out. you got the opening odds for uh, Felder, artist, uh, rifle designers. So definitely compare how the lines moved. I always do that. I always like to see how the line moves. That's that's super important. That's how you win long-term in the sport, too. you got to beat the, the, the odds. Um, and just looking down, you got... Have uh, Bellator odds and obviously the preview for UFC, which you guys definitely should check out if you missed it. And I'm sure we'll have some other content up there right now, but uh, throughout the weekend. But yeah, for now, that's what we got. And then obviously, we'll have staff picks and stuff on the weekend. And I'm sure AJ is probably going to have his podcast. Mike's going to have his podcast. So yeah, I mean, we, we do a good job there, Odds Breaker, and we're trying to grow our, our channel and stuff. It, it's not easy. There's so much competition out there. We, I get it. But, you know, we've been doing this Odds Breaker for a long time, and, you know, Nick is as legit as he gets Nick Kaligas. So, you know, I, I feel like the site should just get a little bit more love um, from people, but it is what it is. I'm obviously biased since I work there. And like I said, MA Rings on that. That's the other place I work. And I, I uh, wrote an article at, about uh, Conor McGregor and uh, the, the division. Basically, now that McGregor and Poirier's announced, what's going to be happening next? Now, here's the other website right for now odds.com, guys. And I want to pull this up here. So I'm over at the UFC page here. And here's my article looking ahead UFC 255, look ahead, Figueroa Press. Got my byline there. And, I, and basically, I'm going to be doing some uh, previews for upcoming fights. Not necessarily the week of, but a few weeks out now. Here's a deeper look at this fight. So definitely check this article. I put a lot of work in this guy, so I appreciate if you read it. Um, you know, I was looking at the uh, through all these guys' records, and I basically looked at the way they've won their fights. But not only that, I looked at the way their odds have, have historically been. So you look at these guys. Um, Figueredo, he closes the favorite in six of his nine UFC bouts. He's went 5-0 as a favorite and 3-0 as an underdog. So he's a guy that, as an underdog, has been money. And then Alex Perez, 5-1 as a favorite, 1-0 as a dog. He's closed as a favorite in six of his seven fights. So two guys that clearly get a lot of respect from betters. But right now, you look at the line. It's actually minus 200 now. I think it went jump up overnight a little bit. So, you know, again, those fights in two weeks. I got time to think about it, guys. But to me, uh, the line's getting a little out of hand. I, I love Figueredo. He's amazing. He's such a good champion. But... 
Alex Perez is a great fighter. I would not just totally discount him here. So, you know, definitely check this article out here, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm so glad to be part of the odds team. There's a bunch of great guys that work there. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be, be there as well. So I think that's going to be it for today's show, guys. Talked a lot. Need some water. I really appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, to the podcast. Again, check out Tuesday's show with me and Cole. We broke down UFC uh, on ESPN Plus 41. That's this weekend's card. UFC Vegas 14. Tomorrow night, Bellator, or tonight, I should say, Bellator uh, 252 should be a good card, guys. I'm looking forward to that one. And, uh, yeah, so hope you guys have a great weekend. There was an XFU card last night. I should mention that really quick. There was no odds for it, though, which was disappointing because if there was odds, I would have been more likely to, like, handicap that card. But I do know there's a few guys that were in the UFC that picked up wins. Kurt Hallabaugh won his fight by knockout in the lightweight tournament. And uh, RJ Sukutak actually picked up a win by split decision in the main event last night. And Daniel Taylor beat Jessica Aguilar by split decision. So there were some notable fighters on that card uh, from last night, XFC. But again, no odds. They should really try getting some odds. They got to get an odds maker there or someone's got to cover that uh, that promotion because I think you'll get more people watching if you have odds to bet on. That's just the fact. Anyways, you guys can check me on Twitter at Martin right there. Uh, podcast, MMModdsMaker.com, Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, iTunes, everywhere. Check it out. MA, uh, BJPen.com, MA Rings on that, and uh, odds.com. That's where I am, guys. So have an amazing weekend, everyone. Hope you guys cash your bets this weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday, 10 a.m. with Cole, breaking down the next UFC card. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye.